This is the sports show we've all been waiting for. Connoisseurs of Sport features two sports enthusiasts who go beyond statistics to help you interpret the sports you love in new and refreshing ways. A scout will help you spot players and teams that have the makings of true greatness without having to rely solely on fickle statistics. And the GM will help you understand how it goes on behind the scenes, translate into what happens on court or on the field. Get ready, because no one else does it like the connoisseurs of sport. Episode 31. Welcome back, connoisseurs, to another wonderful edition of the Connoisseurs of Sport. Um, before I introduce the scout, who you know is here and ready to go, let me take you down memory lane. Let's do a little trip down memory lane for a sec. Remember in the NBA when point guards actually used to focus on setting up the offense and passing the ball? Who <laughs> would have thought that that ever happened? Uh, they were not scorers first. Uh, if they tried that in, in most cases, they'd probably be fired. But now <laughs> in the league, things have changed. We know that the scoring point guard is almost a necessity now. Uh, and the passes will come at their discretion when they ain't ready to heave it. <laughs> so we're going to explore that shift in the league, uh, not only inside the league, but also outside of it with the media uh, and I know that the scout is already excited after that setup. So, scout, introduce yourself. How you feeling? Well, I'm the scout, and I am here. Oh, are you? Um, You're the as scout. The basketball GM has, has 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 said and given away, so he's blowing my cover <laughs> uh, for all the people that thought this was a solo show with him. I am here, and as the GM has, oh, said, I'll never go solo. No, 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 never. No, no, no. All right, no. so you're not you're not going Beyonce, huh? <laughs> not gonna pull a Beyonce. Well, if we get that much money, maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yes, we are going to actually talk about the climate. And I know we've really been um, focused on players, uh, most notably um, what Steph Curry's doing this season. Um, but I think it's important to discuss the environment in which this is being done and also discuss some of the other point guards and how the position's responsibilities have shifted, and also the acceptance of that mm-hmm. and how that matters. Um, so that's all I had to say leading in. Let's, let's, let's just jump in. Let's dive in, jump in, dive in, however you want to put it. Okay. Um, so what do you want to do first? You want to give the people these top-scoring point guards and go through them, or how, how do you want to negotiate this? Right. Why don't we just talk about the scoring point guard as it is today? First of all, and, and you, GM, kind of, uh, you, you alluded to the history, whereas I remember a time where um, point guards who scored um, were pariahs. Yeah, um, I'm thinking about, you know, they were blamed a lot of times for the team's success or lack thereof. I'm thinking about guys like Michael Adams, if, you, if any of you remember from the um, bullet days. I don't know if they were the Washington Bullets when he played for them. Um, we can think about Sleepy Floyd, if anyone remembers him. Um, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, uh, formerly known as Chris Jackson, Phil Jackson. 
Okay. Yeah. Actually brought him into the conversation by comparing Steph Curry to him. And everyone Uh-oh. went mad. Everyone went mad. Yeah, people but, were upset. Yes, but if because they're gonna go look at the stats. But he that's a key comparison here because and that really is a goalpost because if you think about him um and the league he was birthed into, he was marginalized, his skill set. So just to bring this home and make it clear if So my- you what you mean is uh for Raouf, mm-hmm. he was in a league that did not embrace that game, no. which 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 suppressed his talents. Exactly, and then after that, he had a, a whole host of issues with his religion. He was Chris Jackson switched to a Muslim, and then he got kind of blackballed out of the league. But right. even when he was in it, um, he did struggle with his coaches, Dan Issel being the most notable one, um, and. He had some trouble. Now, to bring this home and kind of putting the button on Mahmoud and, and, and Curry, if Mahmoud, I would go on a limb and say if Mahmoud were born today mm-hmm. or were of age and in his prime today, you would have a similar scenario. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying he would be a high 20s, 30 points per game guy, and his team would be able to thrive depending on the the construction of it. So that's the point here. We're going to try to – because I don't like this best ever stuff. We all know that. Mm -hmm. The GOAT? You don't want to talk about the GOAT? I don't like that at all because there's so many extraneous circumstances, so many things surrounding what guys are doing that it's not fair. So – that's my spiel. Back to going down the list. If we look at the, what are we going to do? Top 20 scorers here. I'm going to stop at 20 GM. Okay, yeah. So these are the point guards that are among the top 20 scorers. Yeah, I'll give it to them. Uh, number one is Steph Curry. Right. Of course, we know that. Uh, Damian Lillard is number five. Russell Westbrook is number seven. Isaiah Thomas is number 13. Kyle Lowry is number 14, and Kimba Walker is number 16. Right. So we have six of the top 20 scorers coming from the point guard group. Right. And if we stretch it out to 30, we have a few more. Yeah, stretched out to 30, John Walls at 22, Chris Paul at 23, Reggie Jackson at 26. So another three for that next 10, making it nine out of the top 30 from the point guard position. Right. So right there, if you look at that, that tells you how the responsibilities have changed. Okay. In the modern game uh, where it's three point heavy, it's screen roll heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, And also what helps these point guards out is the introduction of the stretch four. Yes. Five or the big man that can shoot from distance. Right. So so right. stretch power forward, stretch centers even. Yes. Like in, in Pal Gasol's case. Right, right. But even guys that would that could even go out to the three point line and beyond. Pal Gasol yeah. is probably what a, you you would feel comfortable with him from maybe eighteen to twenty feet, maybe, right? right. He he won't stretch you know, he is a there are few centers that'll stretch. Right. Um, a lot of them are uh, power forward slash centers. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's a good point you bring up because now you can play power forwards 
as centers, right? That's right. So and and Pal Gasol would be a center in my book, just a center. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have guys, I'm thinking about um, Draymond Green, who is probably the um, poster child for the stretch player. Um, yeah. But he's a little more, he's more multidimensional, I'll say, because he can pass, dribble, shoot it. He can, he's really uh, unique in that way. He can yeah, also he has, guard. you know, he has a small forward game. Yeah, uh, even even a little bit of the two uh, shooting yeah, guard. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And also, but see, the thing that makes him so valuable, and we've said this before, is he's able to guard. There you go. People bigger than him, so and that's what puts him, him. Yeah, and that's what puts him at the four. Uh, that ability to guard there, it, you can do that um, because it's not necessarily an offensive perspective now when it comes to those positions. In a lot of cases, you can look at it from who are they defending. Right. Uh, now, we do get cross matches and all of that. We know that. Uh, but on a consistent basis, Draymond Green can uh, guard the other teams for. Right. He can at least hold his own to the point where Golden State is really going to tax you offensively, as we've exactly. seen all season. Um, so another guy, and this is uh, on a lower level, lesser degree, because people never talk about Charlotte. And we talked about Kimber Walker being in, I believe, the second half of the top, the, what, the top twenty. Yeah, Kimber Walker is uh, sixteen. Right. So you look at a guy like that, and you're thinking, well, who's in Charlotte? They play that spacing game along with with the Boston Celtics do it as well with Isaiah Thomas, not the uh, Zeke Isaiah Thomas, but the uh, current, <laughs> the current, the current lefty. Left-handed Isaac Thomas. But um, the point is, he has a guy like, um, they have a rookie there, um, Kaminsky, um, Mm -hmm. who's a center who can shoot out um, out to three-point land. He also has Marvin Williams, if anyone remembers, who was uh, an Atlanta Hawk for the bulk of his career. Is now in Charlotte. He's another one that can stretch you out power forward. Okay, so, and if you go to these teams, and another thing, and look at their rosters, and you sort by minutes played. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of times, and not even for these teams that play the spacing game, okay, if you look at the minutes, it corresponds to the three-point makes. It's almost linear. Yeah. Right? So you can see what, what what's going on with the gameplay and the styles and what they're trying to do by employing the three-point game and giving the guards latitude to really be number one options and scorers. Right. And, and keep in mind, everybody, there are five positions <laughs> basketball. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, if it were average, you know, five, uh, they should be a sixth of the, of the top 30. <laughs> right. And, you know, we have them above that. Uh, so, you know, yeah. it kind of shows you what's going on in the league. And, and just to bring it home, when we're talking about the stretch guys that also, um, reinforce or, or really, um, support this style of play because the point guards are going to be throughout the history of the game they've been skilled um, no matter what people want to tell you they've been able, able to shoot the ball okay um, I'm thinking about guys like Mark Price if anyone remembers him from the Cleveland Cavaliers mm-hmm. me being a Chicago Bulls fan in the early Michael Jordan days he used to scare the scare me to death because yeah. oh like and by the way I meant I meant a fifth just to correct that a fifth of the time okay, okay. right so um a guy like that I already talked about um Michael Adams and people Mark Moo guys like that they did exist it's just the styles that they played in they didn't play in this open floor game there was typically at least one post guy okay on the block sometimes two so you didn't have the open floor whereas we're talking about the pivot back 
um, to Draymond Green and some of the other guys, the stretch guys we talked about, when they set screens, when they're employed in the screen game. So if we want to use, um, geez, we talk about Steph Curry so much. I'm going to use Kimball Walker and Kaminsky right now and or um, Marvin, Marvin Williams, who we talked about, two guys that can shoot it. Um, if Kaminsky sets that screen, Kaminsky's man, the opposing center, who is probably a traditional big guy, right, has a choice to make. Mm-hmm. Right, because first of all, when you have a big guy setting a screen like that, it's tough for the guard to get around it. That's number one. So when you're screening with a bigger guy, it's more effective. That's just common sense, right? Right, and by screen, just describe what you mean by that so people get the visual if they're unsure. Oh, where a big man sets up, he's supposed to be set. It never happens. Yeah. But that's not part of the game anymore. And by set, you mean feet set in place. Feet set, not moving, hands down in front of, in, right. in, in, I'll say in front of your waist uh, to your yeah. pelvis area. And they're supposed to stand there and the guard is supposed to use them as an obstruction. Yeah, it's like it's like a mini, a mini wall that's yeah. been formed on the court. Right. Now, in the game now, you'll see guys sliding around and moving. People get very upset with Golden State if they're not Golden State fans because of this. But I'm here to tell you, okay, they did not. They are not the inventors of this. So everyone Absolutely that's, not. That's blaming Golden State for setting moving screens, just stop it. Okay, you have to pay <laughs> attention. Um, it, it's been part of the game for quite some time. Guys move. Um, but... Um, the point is, back to the point, when you have these big guys that set these screens, okay, and they pick the guard off, right, then pick and roll defenses for what? That that center or power forward's big man to cut off the guard and at least slow him down so that the guard, so that the guard, the opposing guard, the defending guard can recover, right? Right. So, here's the problem with this now. If I have a big man that can shoot a three, whereas traditionally when you run screen roll, the big man would dive or, or roll, actually roll. Right, that's pick and roll. So, <laughs> right, roll, roll roll to the basket. Right. Um, which is really a, a cut. You're really cutting to the basket. Right. Um, to take advantage of the chaos you've created um, via screening. So, um, with these big guys now, what they're doing is called popping. That's really what they're doing. Okay, now pop used to be a big man doesn't dive to the rim or cut. He just pops out, shoots a 15-footer. Well, no, 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 no. Okay, now we're screening and popping out to the three-point line. Yeah. So that big man, that opposing big man can no longer sit at the foul line and wait for the guard. Right. Okay, because first of all, A, the guard's going to kill you from three because he's authorized to take that shot now. Even in early offense, in early offense, okay, that's what's key. This is the goal of the offense. This is not secondary when the clock's running down. These teams right. want, as a first option, to rub this point guard off the screen and right. get a shot. And so, yeah, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a bailout no. at the end of the clock. Um, right. Also, everybody, what the scout's talking about is called the pick and pop. That's what yes. they call it. Yes, right. so... Um, again, either A, that big man sags and the guard comes off of the screen and nails a three in your face. Or the big man sags, the defending guard trails, the screening big man pops out to the three-point line, the guard throws the pass, he nails you from three. Right. So what's happening, the defending big man, the defending four or five has got to follow <laughs> his uh, offensive opponent out beyond that th- uh, that uh, free throw line you were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Right, which is a shift. 
okay, in the way the game has traditionally been played. And again, this is early offense, early in the clock. This is not a team that, you know, is, is dumping it down to their big man to create a double team and then working off of that, which is what we're used to seeing. Well, not, well, used to seeing in the 90s, maybe up to yeah. the middle 2000s. Where and that's when they game. call, when they say go inside out, you go into your big guy and then Perfect. he, he can either score or go back out. Uh, but here, the other benefit, uh, Scout, is that since they're pulling that defending big guy away from the paint, you have a lot of space down there now, which is another mm-hmm. opportunity for different cuts. And as I think you've discussed before, uh, even now in the league, the way that, that they call people defending cutters is different. You really can't touch the cutting guys. Right. Right, you can't yeah. bump them. You can't. You can't do any of the holding um, that you could get away with previously. But I'm glad you brought that up. That is a perfect point because what you're doing is that's what I'm here for. I, I, I know. <laughs> All hail the basketball GM. He's, he's, oh, he's, please, he sets me up. But um, what that does is eliminates a lot of the rim protecting that we used to see. Yeah, shot blockers that would no Matumbo, huh? No, no. Matumbo would be. A twelve-minute-a-game guy in this game. In, in, in <laughs> you game. giving him that much? <laughs> he, he wouldn't be able to keep up and move with the way the screen. Yeah, works. I'm saying you giving him that much. He'd, oh, he'd, you're saying, you're saying, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, you think about Patrick Ewing and guys, Patrick Chewing, Patrick Chewing. Yeah, guys, hey, Brian. Like, um, right. Yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hey, Brian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a different game. So, uh, That's again, that Snickers commercial. Everybody, Snickers. Yes. Hopefully, everyone had the opportunity to view that wonderful commercial. It was great. I don't know who thought it up. They're probably in a Spain asylum right now. But anyway, um, again, the rim protection has been removed. So what you're seeing now is either a three-point shot or a layup all the way to the front of the rim. Right. And and there we go with the death of the mid-range game again. Which is, as everyone knows, what gets me teary-eyed and weepy. Oh, and why I am so I have such an issue with the way the game is played today. You need to go get your blankie, Scout. I'll do that afterward. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go full Linus on everyone afterward. Ah, uh, that's right. But um, that's what you're seeing, and like, like I said, um, you're seeing it in Charlotte. You're seeing it in in in, in Golden uh, State. Um, Houston's another team. Um, which obviously because of Daryl Morey, who was there, I think, I don't know if he's the GM or team president or whatever, but he's one of these guys that is called for the death of the mid-range game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll see Houston jacking up a lot of threes with James Harden, who really is a glorified point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again. He's the, he's the GM. Aha, the GM. the GM of the Rockets. Yeah, so he's one of those guys that, one of these um, analytical guys who's really been at the forefront uh, by analytical, you mean stat-driven? Stat-driven, yeah. Who mm-hmm. said that the, the, the mid-range game is a waste of you, you, me, and the GM's time. Yeah, but see, this is where we get into the beyond statistics part of our description. Yes. Because it's not just about numbers. Otherwise, we can have the computer play games, okay? <laughs> it's also about the artistry of the game, actually trying to hone a craft, Mm-hmm. Having variety, all of that, which in our opinion is more entertaining. So, you know, when you have these stat driven guys, uh, it can be annoying because they're, they need to lift their noses away from the computer screen every now and then to actually just watch the game live. 
yeah. and and see what's being lost. I mean, it, you know, it's like it's like if you have one of those coloring books that gives you numbers and you can you know fill it in to paint by the number stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. How much fun is that? Right. Why, why can't I just do it on my own? Now, is there a place for statistics? Of course. But, you know, come on, everybody. And this all started with baseball. I'm blaming baseball. Right. Baseball is the original analytics-driven uh, yeah. sport. And it makes sense. It makes yes. sense for baseball. You know, money ball, all of that that we got. Right. Uh, yeah. And keep in mind, also, um, you can be revered as a baseball player without winning championships. It's not a part of their process as far as evaluating. So exactly. It's, it's, it's all about records and stats. Right. Yeah. And, and that's individual, not individual, individual, right? And 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 I say that while also on the flip side saying that winning a championship also does not does not always validate you. Yeah, okay? in basketball or in most really in football, it's almost luck. But um, the point is, there's some we like to be in the middle of things, okay. And that's what we're trying to do, provide balance. But, you know, to the point, as far as three-point shooting in the league, if you look at um, attempts league-wide across the NBA for each season, and you can go to basketballreference.com. Really, you can get any stat there. It's a wonderful, wonderful site um, if you want to get some context and you want to understand and and see some numbers. Because as the GM said, there's a place for them. They tell some of the story. But you have to build around that as well with context and circumstance. So back to the point, if you look at the league averages for three-point shooting, it's almost <laughs> a straight line as far as, okay, the most attempts per game, okay, across the NBA is this season, 2015-16. Mm-hmm. Second is last season. Third is season before that and so forth and so on until uh-huh. we get to the 10th uh, highest rate as far as three point attempts per game is the 1996-1997 season and then excuse me that's the 11th and then the 12th is the 1995-96 season so that they kind of shoehorn themselves in there well why is that why is it I wonder hmm. hmm so we wondered too and then we decided to look that up and it turns out well GM I'm gonna let you have this what years uh, okay, let me break it down. It was uh, three seasons. Uh, the 94-95 season, the 95-96 season, and the 96-97 season. So during Jordan's reign. Mm-hmm. And what happened, Scout, to that three-point line? It was short. Oh, it went from... Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, it went from from uh, 23 feet 9 inches, which is where it is now, and now it was 22 feet at the corners, uh, to a uniform 22 feet around the basket. Mm, interesting. Now, they well, did this. Um, the NBA attempted to address dis- decreased scoring by doing that. Uh-huh. Now, yeah. if anyone's familiar with this, this kind of had a... A negative effect because if you think about this, when you move the three-point line up, you're reducing the space underneath it. So what would happen is if you set up your offense at the three-point line and you try to throw it down to a post guy, you're it's easier to double team and, and recover. It's a shorter yeah. distance, 
right? But what's interesting about this, because obviously we have the Golden State Warriors having a a historic season, making a run at the Chicago Bulls 72 and 10 mark, right? Mm -hmm. Here, the Bulls won that 72 72 games. Everyone knows with 95-96 in the midst of what? The 22-foot three-point line all the way around the basket. Yeah. And just to throw some numbers at you, um, 95-96, Michael Jordan was a 42% three-point shooter. Scottie Pippen was at 37%. That's Whoa. the year. That's the year they won 72 games. 96-97, also the shorter three-point line. Jordan was at 37%. Scottie Pippen was also at 37%. They won 69 games that year. Mm. Uh huh. Because everyone talks about seventy-two wins, but they won sixty-nine a year after that. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not you know uh, dismiss that. But ninety-seven, ninety-eight, Jordan, when the line was moved back to twenty-three feet, am I correct? There you in go. This? Yes. Jordan plummeted to twenty-four percent from three. Say that again. Twenty-four percent from three, Mr. Nice. Michael Jordan. Right. So. And Scottie Pippen, just to, to close this out, dropped to 32%. I'm rounding up. Okay. That's so not that think, bad. From 37 to 32? No, I'm saying I'm saying 32% from three, just that by itself is not that bad. 24%? Well, that's that's abhorrent. But the th- but remember our threshold is what? 33%. Because why, GM? Well, look, we know you get you get an extra point for the three-pointer. So that so. means you can make fewer of them and get the same points as you would for a two-pointer. Right. So, you know, if I take 100 attempts and they're all two-point attempts and I make 50 of them, you know, I'll get my 100 points. However, if I take those same 100 attempts from three and I make 33 and a third... I will also get 100 Mm -hmm. points. So the point here is this. The three-point shot Mm -hmm. is really a a paradigm shifter. Now, let's pause right there. I'm glad you brought it back here because this is where I would like to go. What do you think is the reason that we've had this shift? Why does the league, uh, why do the media uh, now celebrate this when, you know, before this was not celebrated? Oh, you want to get into those kind of conspiracies? The why? What? Well, yeah, the why? Because we we talked about all the hows and the whats. Well, the media had a big problem with the post Jordan era. Uh huh. Which is that the era we've talked about? I loved the most because it had the diverse, uh, multi talented, unstoppable scorer. Right? We're talking Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant, obviously, uh, Vince Carter in his heyday, Allen Iverson. Um, Ray Allen at that time was was pretty big, and he wasn't just a three point shooter. For all those that aren't um, aware of that, he he could score from everywhere. You know, guys like that. I'm yeah. trying Paul Pierce. Um, yeah. There was a litany of these guys, and you know who entered at the tail end of that? Carmelo, LeBron, right? Yeah. Um, and then after that, a and year, Carmelo's going. What happened? <laughs> right, right. Poor Carmelo. Right, and now um, I, I think Kevin Durant is, is, is kind of an yeah. offshoot of that, even though Kevin Durant could really stroke it from distance, but he does have that all-court game that we like. He's a, Yeah, he's a hybrid. He, he works everywhere. Yeah. Right, so I think the league and also the media had some beef with that era because it just wasn't popular. People didn't like it. Now, we can get into the reasons why. Well, it's it's kind of what you said. It's a response to Jordan and all the Jordan love. Because first of all, the media was late on Jordan. Don't we remember as yeah. kids? 
yeah. as kids loving Jordan and having old heads in the media talk about all oh, all he did, all he does is score. He doesn't do anything else. He'll never <laughs> he'll never win anything. Dr. J was better. Such and such was better. Right. And then he started dropping them uh, championships down their throat, and it was all of a sudden he's the greatest in history. Right. Yep. We've never seen anything like it. We'll never see anything like it again. So then when you get these these upstarts <laughs> coming in. You know, what they would consider jumped-up players that you listed. Selfish. There you go. We get all of those negative terms. Right. Um, yeah. So, it's so, and it's working this way. Now that you're saying that, the change in the league, this power paradigm shift, is a way for them to also negate what came before. Yes. So they got it. They got it coming in, and they're getting it going out. Yep. Now, that would be my take on it. They're they're trying to erase that era in a way, in a manner of speaking. Um, Now, as far as the league and inside of the league, it's just analytics or advanced stats that's causing this. Because I told I spoke about Daryl, Daryl, Mari and some other guys like that that are looking at statistics and saying, why are you shooting mid-range shots. Right. And you know my big thing about stats and its explosion in all of sports is fantasy. Fantasy sports, right. Fantasy so sports. there's a lot of things going on here, right? Yeah. Um, you're late. You're, you, and really, your casual fan is going to like up-tempo. Um, they're going to like to see, three, see people throwing a ball at the rim from as far as out as they can be. Yeah. They're going to enjoy that. Um, the, the spacing, they're going to like that. Um... And remember now, remember a more a more blunt game. The, the nuances, yeah, yeah aren't yeah. there? No one's interested in that, but us. Um, and, <laughs> and and you know what? I, I've I've overlooked the Phoenix Suns, right? Yeah, this is important because the Phoenix Suns of the mid, I believe, mid two thousands ish. The Steve, the Steve Nash, Nash. yeah, Steve Nash. Remember the media and everyone else said they would never win playing like that. So much so that the current head coach of the Golden State Warriors, Mr. Steve Kerr, yeah, was brought into Phoenix and systematically dismantled that Steve Nash team. If anyone remembers, by bringing Shaquille O'Neal in because he was the card-carrying member of the This Can't Win movement. And you're talking about um, Steve Kerr was the card-carrying member. Yes, yes. I, we remember what happened when Shaq was brought in, and then they can do their inside-out. Right, so yeah. let me t- I'm not letting him off the hook either. You're talking about Steve Kerr. No. Yeah, well, now all of a sudden, Steve Kerr is worshipping at the altar of three-point shooting after right. he stole a Golden State from Mama There Goes That Man. So, you know, <laughs> all right, uh, we go in there. Now, um, the other thing uh, when it comes to this whole shift is also a change in how the league is officiated. So we can't leave mm-hmm. that out. Yes. Uh, you do want to exploit that. So it's a confluence of events. Oh, you can't blame them. You can't yeah. blame teams. Again, we've talked, to, we've said a thousand times, whoever, I don't know who Golden State's GM is. Mm-hmm. Okay, but whenever they decided that this is the way we would go, someone must have looked at the rules and what was going on. Again, the climate. Yeah. And said, this is how we want to build a team. This is how we win. And uh, I believe it's Bob Myers is their okay. GM. Okay, there you go. I don't know who the guy and is. He... <laughs> so he was hired as assistant GM in 2011. Okay. And he, he again, you have to give... 
him a ton of credit. He's as responsible as everyone else in that organization for the for the success they've had because he is was ahead of the curve. Right. Yeah. So whether or not, again, like we always say, whether or not we like it does not matter. And just so you know, um, Bob Myers played uh, at UCLA forward oh, and, okay. won, and, and won an NCAA championship. So, so he has some skin in the game. He got he got a little bit of skin in that game. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But the point is, again, just because I don't necessarily like it or the GM is kind of wishy washy on the style of play, doesn't mean. Okay, first of all, you should be, and it for sure doesn't mean that someone in the GM's office who's trying to win games is going to be, okay? Okay, you all enjoy it, love it, that's your, look, we're not saying that, we're speaking from our point oh, of view. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. If, if that's what you love, continue to do it, we support you in that. But we don't um, want to be Oscar Robinson here, we don't want to be one of those people. No. All I'm saying is, if you drop Isaiah Thomas, the, the Detroit Pistons one, Zeke, mm-hmm. into right now where he didn't have to run an offense for the great Chuck Daly and that kind of thing. I, I just don't, I, or, or some of the other guys we talked about, I just don't know uh, what you would see. So it's hard for me again to say this guy's the greatest, this, uh, I don't do that. Um, and even if you, like I said, you have to look at what's going on around everything and not just look at stats. Okay. Cause I hear that a lot. Use your eyes and your brains, you know, well, try to do that. You also have to have, I don't forget things. I'm like an elephant when it comes to history. Okay. Because first of all, I was an impressionable young lad. Okay. And when I was a Chicago Bulls fan, I was a Michael Jordan fan. And I remember everyone I used to be deathly afraid of. So when people say, okay, this was the greatest shooter ever, I started thinking about Mark Price and the nightmares I had. Yeah. Okay. Or also, I believe in that in that season they won seventy two games and lost ten. I believe that two of the ten losses was to the Toronto Raptors, who were an expansion team then. Yeah. And they had Damon Stoudemire, Mighty Mouse, if anyone remembers him. Oh yeah. Was their point guard then and he used to wreak havoc. Because everyone wanted big guards, especially uh, Phil Jackson, and they couldn't guard the guy. He was five ten, five eleven, and lightning quick, and he used to give them fits. Now, ultimately, it didn't matter because, you know, Toronto was not a factor. But just the matchup there, you kind of see a team can give another team problems mm-hmm. that you wouldn't think. So, um, I, look, what, what else you want to talk about regarding this? What else we got? Well, we... we there we, is one play I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I want to talk about poor little Russell Westbrook right now who is struggling immensely. Mm-hmm. Um... He, I thought, was the best point guard in the game. You thought? So that's past tense. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that anymore. Oh, um, what happened? What happened? He's just a little reckless right now. I think he's he's, he's having a confidence issue. Yeah. Um, now, what I'll say about him is he is one of those guys where I could put in a time machine and he may be better off. Hmm. Okay, back in the middle 2000s, even though he's still quite a terror now. Um, but he's he's a power guard, plays the strength game. When Kevin Durant was injured, he would operate in the pinch post somewhat. That's kind of gone away, so he's not able to do that. Um, so that's a guy who really I feel for. I love Russie. Okay. Yeah. 
but he does get jumped up, as we like to say, and excited. And yeah, that's where he is now. So we, he's he's going through a rough stretch, but we hope he pulls himself out of it. I wanted to give a, a shout out to my man Russell. Don't give up on him. <laughs> um, but the rest of these guys, he's the one probably power guard I see there. Uh, maybe a John Wall if he ended that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a big John Wall guy. Um, Isaiah Thomas is very interesting. The Celtics were not the Pistons. You have to continue to say that. The left yeah, hand. The current. The current. Right. And, and you know, Isaiah, a lot of these guys are like, what? Isaiah Thomas is, I think, 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, yeah, he's short. Yeah, and you should see this guy. If anyone has seen him, you'll know this already. But if you haven't, get a look at a Celtics game if you can. He is amazing around the basket. Mm-hmm. Where his ability to finish around big guys is remarkable. I, I, it's 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 a thing to watch. So I do enjoy him. Um, Lillard is one of my absolute favorites. Damian Lillard, uh, Dame Lillard, as people like to call him. Yeah. Um, just outstanding. And for all of you people, let me address this. And I believe it was Brent Barry, was it? Oh, please. That was doing his Golden State game on Thursday. They wanted to say Steph Curry's the only person. And it's not just him. Everyone believes that Steph Curry's the only person that can hit these bomb three-pointers. Yeah. Give a look at Damian Lillard. If you can't watch a game, just hop on over to YouTube. And they have, like, these cut-ups of games. And you'll get an idea. And you can also go to 538.com. And kind of look up some of the statistical things they do there. And they'll also tell you Jamal Crawford's another one who will bomb it from distance. Jamal Crawford, yeah, look, you better watch out for him. Right. I mean, so this idea, okay, again, you don't have to go that far mm-hmm. to, to exalt Steph Curry. You don't have to. Yeah, His you play yeah. is enough. I mean, yeah. you don't have to exaggerate. It drives me nuts. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it, it's, it, so just, again, these guys. Kemba Walker, who can be somewhat inconsistent, but yeah, is a treat to watch. Yeah, he, he, he can be, you know, he's really like almost a two guard, period, yeah. in his style of play, even though he's like, what, six feet even, maybe 5'11? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's a lot of interesting play going on, especially at this position. And you said it with the, the preponderance of point guards in the top scoring. Uh, on the top, in the top, what, 30, 20, whatever, however you want to slice it, of scoring. And again, everyone must remember that this was frowned upon not too long ago, where a coach would pull you behind out of a game for doing what point guards are asked to do now. So just be kind when you compare today's point guards to the guys that were marginalized, uh, I would say middle 2000s, and before, okay, yeah, you know, because it's a different league, and you'd have to account for all of that, and it's hard to do. It's why, like you're saying, it's best to really stay within the era. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. Now, let me just piggyback and give you some info on that uh, Chicago Bulls '95 '96 season where they won 72 games and yeah. lost 10. Um, because you mentioned the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Uh, here are their losses: the 10 losses in order. Orlando Magic, Seattle Supersonics, Mm. Indiana Pacers, Mm. the Nuggets, the Suns, the Heat, the Knicks, the Raptors, the Hornets, and the Pacers. So the Pacers beat them twice. Now, if, if we go into the playoffs, they lost once to the Knicks, and they lost twice to the Supersonics, and we know why. 
Well, that's interesting because all the people you name, I mean, we think about Orlando, then we're talking about what, Penny and, and Shaquille? Yeah. Right? Then we're talking about Reggie Miller and that rough team with the, the Davis boys, uh, Dale and Antonio, and, yeah. and I'm not sure who's playing a point for them at that then. Um, and then you talk about the Knicks, I mean, obviously, rugged team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, though, that kind of makes sense, but again, that's a different, that's a team full of, I mean, or a league full of physical, which strength was an asset. And I don't know right. that it is now. And remember, on the Supersonics, you had the glove, oh, Gary Payton. Yeah, Gary Payton gave Michael Jordan a run for his money defensively uh, because it's Gary Payton. I mean, and it's no shame in that. Don't forget Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp, right. Was on that team, so, you know, look now. So it, it makes perfect sense. Now, yeah. uh, to close it out, before we uh, end this very informative episode. I'm loving what you're saying, Scout. We've got to quickly discuss what happened uh, with, with the Lakers' upset of the oh. Warriors that happened earlier today. Yeah. Um, no one predicted that one. Um, <laughs> you know what the thing is? You know what's funny? I'll, I'll tell a, a little behind-the-scenes story. Um, we typically try to record after the Sunday game. Yeah. And... Today, we kind of look up the Sunday game, see what's going on. Then we decide, well, today, in my mind, I said, nah, we can just record whenever because that game's not going to matter. Yeah, and you're talking about the Sunday uh, ABC game. ABC game, right, which today was the Lakers going to State Warriors. I I was dismissive of it, as everyone was. And, I mean, uh, you know, obviously we're recording and coming to you after that game because some other things happened and we had to push it. But we we were not beholden to that. No. I'll tell you that. And... Lo and behold, the Los Angeles Lakers upset the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. And was it wire to wire? I don't know. I know for the majority of the game, the Lakers were up. Yeah. I mean, I had one eye on it. Um, and, you know, it's funny. Um, they went to halftime, and they have Doug Collins and uh, uh, the human goatee, Jalen Rose. Um, <laughs> and they were kind of discussing what was going on. And, and, and um What's her name? Sage Steele. I don't know what, the, what her name is. She said something to Doug Collins like, so you don't think the, the Lakers can sustain this? And he was, no, no, no way. No, no way. Mm-hmm. I mean, no chance. And you can't blame him. Right. But somehow, the Los Angeles Lakers with their band of misfits and uh, <laughs> the one-armed Kobe Bryant. Yeah, shoulder problems. But he did play three quarters. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, you and told Russell, me something interesting. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell said that, you know, when he wasn't playing in the fourth quarter, Kobe was coaching them from the sideline uh, <laughs> and, you know, telling them what to do. Now, let me let me read that quote because is this what you were talking about, Scout, that quote? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Okay, so let me find it here. So he said... Well, there are lots of... Actually, everybody, we're going to link this... Uh, just so you can read it on your own. It's uh, ESPN has it. Uh, Russell said, quote, Kobe kept us on our toes. He was coaching us the whole game from the sideline, telling us to push it when we got it. Don't wait. And it worked. Mm-hmm. And you, you think about that, that would not seem to be how you want to play against the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, because that's, that's what they do. They push it. Right. Um, and D'Angelo Russell's really been coming on lately. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he has a bright future. I really think the Lakers are in a pretty good position getting another high draft pick. 
coming up this year. I know everyone wants to lampoon them for reasons we're not going to discuss right now. We all know what that's about. Yeah. But um, I think they're in a position to really start getting some momentum with some young talent. So, um, but today, I mean, I believe they're, you know, the analytical crowd, statistical crowd are saying this is like the biggest upset in history based on winning percentages or whatever they throw into their machine and it spits out. <laughs> uh, whether it's you know uh, where to where to buy a lifetime supply of chocolate or what, <laughs> but yeah, I believe that that's the claim that this was uh, the the biggest upset in history. So, um, be that as it may, it was an interesting Sunday to say the yeah. least. But um, again, the point guards, folks, keep that in mind. Just you know, kind of. Wrap your mind around that around that when you're watching. Think of some of the old guys who have sacrificed themselves for this new. Generation. Wait a minute, I'm not done with that game though. Wait a minute now. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm jumping the gun. Because just to give the people some background on what you're saying, according to the ESPN article we linked, entering Sunday's game, the teams had a 72.7 percent difference in win percentage, making the Lakers win the biggest upset in NBA history, according to ESPN stats and information. Okay. Um, also, keep this in mind: the Warriors were four out of thirty from three. Mm. Again, that's one, two, three, four out of thirty. Three zero from three. And you were talking about the what the Lakers did. Did Doug Collins highlight that? It was Hubie Brown who did. Hubie Brown. Okay. Right now, I can't fully vouch for this because I didn't watch all of it. But what he said was the Lakers were running them off of the three point line, even though they shot what thirty of them. They ended up getting up. Yeah, thirty. Um, but he said they were not concerned about the two pointers or layups. Mm-hmm. It's just to get to disrupt the three point shooting. Yeah, uh, was the goal. And so, they held. Uh, you know, if it's four out of thirty, they held. Golden State to just over 13% from three, which is atrocious. Right. Now, some of that you have to believe is an off an off day. Off. Maybe they're fatigued yeah. a bit. It's also, oh, we're playing the Lakers. Who cares? Right. Uh, so, you know, all of that, that comes together. But do you think that this is, will be something that the league will pick up? Because just to wrap this up, you mentioned that I think of their six losses now, five were blowouts for Golden yes. State? Yeah, they were, I believe, plus 12. Mm. Um, six, five of the six were, yeah. I mean, we know Golden, I mean, not Golden State, we know our Portland and Damian Lillard really just blew them up out of the building when they played them. Yeah. Um, and there's a few, it was a list on NBA.com that put up all their losses and it was like everything was over double digits when they lost, except for one game, they won by two points. And I believe that was, may have been, was uh, that one of those Oklahoma City? I mean, excuse me. No, no, no. Cause I, I mean, lost. Right, lost by they two. won the OKC game by the three. We know the right, 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 right around the world. Um, but I believe they have been getting games from people as of late. I mean, there have been some tough games. They played a few tough ones against Atlanta. One of them, Steph Curry was out, so you kind of you know you have to balance that one out. But even the one before that, I did watch that game in Atlanta, and Atlanta gave them some trouble. So I believe you know, and again. Teams like that get to a point where I think they're ready to get into the playoffs, so that may be some of it too. But we'll see. We don't know. Yeah, we'll see. And, and just an, and just another tid- tidbit, scout for you and everyone else. Um, the Warriors four for thirty effort from deep registers as the fourth worst single game three point effort since the Arc's inception in 1979, 1980. 
So the basketball gods, remember, I have to balance as well. <laughs> okay, the basketball gods have their adding machine and a little green visor. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they're tallying. Okay, so I know we have these great performances, but there's a flip side to that too. That's right. Right? Because I believe Steph today was one of ten from three. From three, yeah. Yeah, And, you know, just to wrap it up on this, we talk about how that's a team. You know, they really do work well together. And if you look at their core guys, they all didn't play well. So Across the board. Across the board. uh, I think Iguodala was out. But if Curry, Thompson, Green, Harrison, Barnes, not that well. No, 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 no. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you got for us, Scout? No, just, you know, keep the point guards in mind, like I was saying, um, especially our older guys um, that didn't quite have the latitude to play this way. They still had game, um, even though scoring point guards back then really were ideal coming off the bench as six men with the second unit. So um, just keep that in mind whenever we want to toss around this greatest ever talk. The scout doesn't believe a greatest ever exists. It's no such thing to me. There's a Mount Rushmore, meaning there's a level where no one's better than you. Okay. Yeah, they're just, they're all greats. Right, and um, I'm not parsing that. Right. Okay, so I would just caution everyone, enjoy the games. Don't do the greatest ever bit. And as uh, I think Jim Brown had a quote about, whenever you start saying someone's the greatest ever, you're you're really being negative or pulling from other people's accomplishments. It's really a negative thing to me. So again, if you got to do it, by all means, do it. Make sure I'm out of the room. <laughs> or here's here's a suggestion. Just say who your favorite player is. That's fine. Oh, just sure. Say that, okay. yeah, just say, you know, that's my favorite player of all time. No problem. None at and, all. And uh, with that, my favorite scout, I'm saying goodbye to you. Mm-hmm. And all the rest of the connoisseurs, we'll see you next week. Yes, sir. Listen to Connoisseurs of Sport every Monday at DailyDynamic.com.